Go ahead, if you have your Bibles with you, open them up to Ezekiel chapter 47. Ezekiel chapter 47. <clears throat> Going OT today. Not overtime. Old Testament. All right. Ezekiel chapter 47. And we're going to read a prophetic vision here that God gave Ezekiel. We're going to read verses 1 through 12. And then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the front of the temple faced east. The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. He brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gateway that faces east. And there was water running out on the right side. Bless you, whoever that was. When the man went out to the east with the line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits. And he brought me through the waters, and water came up to my ankles. And then he measured 1,000 and brought me through the waters, and the water came up to my knees. And then he measured another 1,000. And brought me through, and the water came up to my waist. And then he measured another thousand, and it was a river that I could not cross, for the water was too deep. Water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. He said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? And then he brought me and returned me to the bank of the river. And when I returned there along the bank of the river were very many trees on one side and the other. And then he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region, goes down into the valley and enters the sea. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. And it shall be that every living creature that moves, whether wherever the rivers go, will live. There these waters go, or there will be a very great multitude of fish because these waters go there, for they will be healed and everything will live wherever the river goes. It shall be that fishermen will stand by from Engadi to Enaglaim. They will be palaces for spreading their nets. Their fish will be of the same kinds as the fish of the great sea, exceedingly many. But its swamps and marshes will not be healed. They will be given over to salt. Along the bank of the river, on this side and that, will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither, and their fruit will not fail." They will bear fruit every month because their waters flow from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for fruit, food and their leaves for medicine. Father, I just ask you right now in Jesus' name, God, to anoint me to just to preach and speak your word with clarity and with accuracy. God, Holy Spirit, go before me, prepare hearts, and just lead and guide my words, Lord, that they're aligned with your truth in a way that as it goes forth can transform lives. I'm nothing, God. Without you, there's nothing that I can do here. Please, God, give me your abilities to speak the word that you've put in my heart today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So I want to just basically tell you right up front today as we get into this, that this message is designed to challenge your personal walk of faith. 
your personal walk with God and the, the, the deepness that you're moving into as you move forward walking with him week by week, month by month, year by year. And I say that because that's exactly the way that this message impacts me. And I feel that I'm just trying, I want to pour out to you what God is pouring out to me through his holy scriptures. Now, when we look at when we look at this, I want you to think about it in your, in your own situation is where, where is your own personal walk of faith? Where is your relationship with God? How deep would you say it is? How close would you say that you are with him? How much do you live in a day by day basis out of a place of faith instead of a place of, of maybe uh, human knowledge or, or worldly wisdom? Where has it been? Where is it now? And more importantly, where would you like to see it go? Where in your heart do you want to see your walk of faith, your relationship with God go in the days and months and years that are ahead as you continue to walk the face of this earth? And so before we get into the actual text here, Let's look at the context, kind of break down the situation. So Ezekiel, he is a prophet in the Old Testament, and he is a prophet who was actually around whenever Israel was taken captive during the 70 years of captivity in the city of Babylon, known as the Babylonian captivity. Happened right around the uh, early 600 B.C.s up to the late 500 B.C.s. Ezekiel was 25 years old when he was taken captive. And five years after he was taken captive in Babylon is when he was called into ministry. So he's 30 years old whenever his, his ministry began to happen. Okay, He was a contemporary of the prophet Jeremiah as well as the prophet Daniel. So they were all around and lived in the same years, the same time, and, and they were aware of who each other were. And God used these men mighty, mightily because while Israel was in captivity, God wanted to continue to bring a message of hope and of redemption so that, that Israel knew and understood that their time in captivity was not to be permanent and God had a plan to bring them back to their nation and to restore the promises that he had made for them. But Israel had allowed themselves to go into a lot of sin and had walked away from God for a long period of time and so this, this uh, judgment that God, brought, that God brought on for them to be taken over and taken into captivity Captivity was was brought on on their own. Okay, and so they're in captivity. And Jeremiah starts, uh, or Ezekiel, starts getting these prophetic words. And one of the things that he had talked about, which established his credibility early on, is there were other prophets who were talking about how they were going to get back to Jerusalem. They were going to get out of captivity, like very soon, right in the beginning. And those were false prophets delivering a false message of hope. And Ezekiel, imagine trying to deliver this message, right, said, no, that's actually not true the temple is actually going to be destroyed. It's going to be wiped out and we're going to be in this captivity for a number of years. So obviously he wasn't very popular in the beginning. Everybody liked the tickle your ears messages, right? There's a little story in that. The messages that tickle your ears aren't always necessarily the ones that are, are true and accurate as to where we're headed in our lives. But, but Ezekiel speaks this message of no, that's not what's going to happen. And then after obviously the temple is destroyed and, and everybody sees the reality for what it 
is Ezekiel becomes a very credible prophet and the people of Israel are looking to him for guidance because as we know, they're in a difficult time, they're in despair, and so they're clinging closer to God and to his prophets who are declaring his words, okay? So he's a great man and he has this vision that we see here in, uh, in chapter 47 about a river that's flowing out from under the temple of Jerusalem. Now, in every kind of prophetic vision, you have to realize there are two different types of interpretations. There are literal interpretations, which basically means that it is exactly what it's saying that it is, right? And then there are figurative interpretations, which means that there are things that we discern that the Holy Spirit reveals to us that this means in a broader sense for our lives. It's kind of like when Jesus would speak in parables those were figurative interpretations. He was telling a story that was giving us a bigger picture or a broader picture of how it applied to our personal walk of faith and how we were to stand on faith uh, in our lives, right? So the literal interpretation in this scripture is interesting because most theologians agree that this river that he's talking about and the way it flows and everything that happens is actually a, a literal interpretation of what the millennial reign of Christ will look like. So when Jesus comes back and we rule for a thousand years, that the way this river is described is exactly how you will see it flowing and how you will see it happening right out of the temple of Jerusalem. All right. Now, for, for the sake of weeks ahead, I'm actually working on some messages that God is, is leading me into to talk about this millennial reign and some of these end times things. And I'm, I'm excited about that. But I want to talk to you today about a figurative interpretation of this passage that actually is... Is, is directly related to our own personal walk of faith and the depth that God is calling us to go in our relationship with him and the way that journey looks and how the things that come to pass are going to be. And so that's why I say I want this to, this is a message that will challenge us with the way that we are approaching our own walk of faith and our own uh, relationship with God. All right. So let's, let me give you kind of this, the, the, the context of this vision so you can get a picture. Let's put that image up on the screen, Jacob, the map. Okay, so this is the city of David. And I don't know if you can see that very well, or if I'm in your way here, but this is the city of David. And so we have Jerusalem, and it's on that hill, which is called Zion, all right? That's the Mount, the Mount Zion. And behind the city, up on top, you see it's called Mount Moriah. That's where the actual temple was, Solomon's temple that he built after David. Solomon came along and built this mighty, gigantic temple, which was the one that was destroyed when they went into captivity, okay? Now, to the right, you see how all that slopes off and that, that hill of Zion? drops down to the right what you have is you have the Kidron Valley all right now the Kidron Valley runs from basically north to south it's a very dry place and it eventually goes all the way through the Judean desert and eventually hits the Dead Sea the Dead Sea all right so while that picture is up there I'm gonna do some fancy artwork here All right, and so we've got the temple here, all right? And then we've got kind of the, 
the Kidron Valley, we'll say. And so this is what Ezekiel is seeing in his vision. Is he's seeing water that's pouring out from under the temple threshold, coming out of... There are gates around all this, okay? Those are some fancy gates. And the water is flowing down into the Kidron Valley, and it's doing something very interesting. As it's going forth, it's getting bigger. And then eventually, it spills, and, it, and this is what all theologians agree is the Dead Sea. Okay? And then you got Ezekiel. He's walking along with the person in the vision that's leading him. Great stuff, right? All right. Thank you very much. Yeah. What was that guy that did the paintings on Channel 9? Bob Ross, yes. He would be proud, very proud, I know. I used to watch that when I was a kid. I was, like, fascinated. Like, there's the trees. There they are. And they're happy trees. Yeah. <laughs> so these are happy people, and that's a happy valley and a happy sea. So, so this is what Ezekiel is seeing, right? The river is widening. It's flowing. It's spilling into, and it's spilling into the Dead Sea. So let's talk about the river first. This river that's coming out from under the temple is a divine source of water. It's a divine source. There was a spring in Israel and Jerusalem, but it wasn't a very thick spring. It didn't have a lot of pressure. And Solomon actually had aqueducts built to, to divert and bring water into the temple because in the temple they did a lot of sacrifices. And quite frankly, it was a bloody place. And they needed a lot of water to be able to clean everything. So Solomon brought aqueducts into this thing. But the point that we need to grab hold of here is this water that's coming out from under the temple is a divine source of water. Now, in the Bible, you can see time and time again that when we see water, especially in the New Testament, that that is a figurative interpretation of, in most cases, the Holy Spirit. Okay? Jesus said, he said, whoever believes in me, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. Multiple times again and again in the New Testament, when you see figurative things of water, you can look at that and you can assume in most cases that the Holy Spirit there's a figurative interpretation there all right so this water that's flowing out from under the temple is a divine source of water it is not a natural source of water and it's flowing from up inside the temple and out now how many people know in the New Testament what is the temple our bodies, right? And the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of us, and the Holy Spirit bubbles up and overflows, and the love of God is to be pouring out of our lives at all times. So the water of the divine source is flowing out of the temple, but it's not just staying there. It's going outwardly, and it's moving forward. And so now Ezekiel is walking and moving forward in this water, walking with it. He's not standing still. Are you with me? He is not just taking a place and taking a position by a nice little comfortable stream that's coming out to begin with. He is to move forward and to keep walking with this flow of water, which is representative of our lives, guys. Look. 
look, when the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of us and he makes us a new creation, we're not meant to just stop and sit still. We're meant to take a walk on a journey of faith, growing closer and closer with the Holy Spirit, with God, each and every day that we move forward. We're not meant to just sit by and stay idle. Another thing I would say as to why this is a divine source of, of water, the water continues to grow and get wider. The river gets wider. Now, as you take a natural river of the earth that's flowing through a desert, ultimately, as it gets further into the desert and there's no other water sources, it dries up, it dissipates, and it goes away. This river keep in mind, gets stronger and grows more intense and deeper through a dry and deserted terrain. Are you with me? So it's a divine source of water. Now, the part about the increasing flow is what is really what I want to pay particular attention to today. So he says, first of all, in the first four or five verses, that he describes the way that the water is flowing. It's flowing out from under the temple, and then it's flowing down the side of the hill, and then it's flowing into the, the valley. Now, if you study those words in the actual Hebrew text, it's interesting, but the words that are used in Hebrew for flowing are actually different every time. And if you look at each of those words, there's, an, there's definitions that indicate that the intensity and the force of the water, the way it is flowing, is actually increasing to the point where when he gets down here, it says that the water is unstable because the force is so hot, powerful. Right. So I want you to think about this and, and think, OK, as I'm walking with God in my relationship with him, can I look at my life with him, my relationship with him? And can I say that the flow and the force is widening, is deepening, is increasing each and every month or year or whatever as I'm moving forward? Right, Because you see here that this is what God's showing us a picture of, that our walk with Him, with the Holy Spirit, ought to be looking like. But that's not necessarily always just going to be the case if we're not pursuing that and searching for that in our lives. And I'll just make an added point here, that if we're going to fulfill our purpose and our destiny, game changers, as we talk about in our church, then we have got to be walking with the Holy Spirit in a way that draws alignment with the vision that Ezekiel has right here of the rivers that are flowing through the Judean desert. All right? So it is an increasing flow. Now, he also says that the man takes him about a thousand cubits, and every thousand cubits that he goes is close to a quarter mile, roughly. All right? So he goes the first quarter mile, and he says that it's, it's ankle deep. And then he goes the second quarter mile, he says that it's knee deep. He goes the third quarter mile, and it's waist deep. And then he goes the fourth, which is the full mile, uh, 4,000 cubits, right? A mile is about 3,500 and something cubits. He goes the full mile, and the water is more than can be passed. It's, it's uncrossable river, and it's, you have to swim in it. Guys, the things of God that he wants to reveal to you are so deep 
and so vast that we could never fully grasp and comprehend them with our natural mind. God is outside of everything. He's the creator of all. He's bigger than everything. And, and he wants to give us a taste and a glimpse. He wants to pull us in to a relationship where we can actually see some of this vastness and some of these depths of who God is and his character and who he wants to be to us that we could not possibly know with our natural mind. Things that can only be revealed and understood as we walk closely with God and the Holy Spirit in our relationship with him day after day after day. So this water is continuing to increase. And the interesting thing, there are no tributaries or side streams that we hear about that are feeding into this river. So the way that it's getting bigger and the way that it's increasing has everything to do with the steady, unending, powerful force of the source itself that's flowing right from inside the temple. Are you getting this? And the river is widening and deepening as they're walking along. And our relationship ought to look the same way. God's idea for our experience with him is to be a walk of faith that increases steadily and increasingly as we move forward in its depth and in its vastness. And so here's a question that I would present to all of us. How long has it been? When did we first start walking with God? When was that first experience that you had with Jesus? When that time was, well, you know, months, years, whenever it was, whenever that journey began. And how long have you been walking with him? And if you were to look at the situation of your relationship with God, what does the river look like? Is it a, is it a little stream that's trickling at our feet still? Is it, is it up to our knees? Is it up to our waist? Most importantly, guys, is it a river that is continuing to build and grow and increase and deepen to where we just continue to not be able to get enough of the things of God and the way that he is revealing himself to us in our life as far as our purpose and our destiny is concerned is getting stronger and more forceful in the way that it's moving forward. Do you guys remember, I don't know if you did this, but when I was a kid, we had these, uh, when it would rain really hard and the creeks would start to flow, we would make these little boats out of like a piece of styrofoam or sometimes a little piece of board or whatever. And we'd put these flags in them, you know, and four or five of us would all start at the upstream and we'd put them in and then we'd just watch them start, you know, going all up and down the creek and the creek would get bigger. There'd be more water and we would just run along the side of the creek and watch these boats continue to move until eventually that creek dumped out into a river or a bigger source of water, right? But we had to stay close to the river, to the water, to be able to see what was going on. When you were following it, you didn't run off course or you didn't get spread out. You stayed close to where the water was flowing. Hallelujah. Listen, guys, as you walk with God, the further you go in your walk with him and the waters get bigger and deeper, it's important to also note that you are further and deeper into the desert as well. And the further into the desert that they're getting, the more critical it is that they cling and stay close to the river because everything that they need is living and being healed 
yield and growing and fruit is being bore right by the river. If they get out into the desert and they get away from the river, there's nothing that the world has to offer them. It's barren. It's dry. There's nothing for survival. But if they stay close to the river, if their main priority is to stay close to the flow of the water, then they will keep walking forward. The river will keep growing and they will always have what they need at every moment to fulfill their purpose. Our singular focus, guys, is the walk along the river itself, the relationship with God, with the Holy Spirit that we cultivate, that we stoke the flame of each and every day of our lives. That is our primary aim. And if we'll stay close to the river and walk with it, we can't control which way the river goes. The river goes the way the river wants to go. God leads the way he wants to lead and it's a divine calling for your life and he knows which way is best to lead you. If we will just follow and allow him to lead and stay close to the flow of the river itself, we will always have abundance growing and being provided for what's around us at every given moment of time. Are you with me? This river brings several things. It brings healing to everything that it's touching. This is interesting. The Dead Sea is considered to be the basically the deadest place, right, in, in, in as far as waters in the world. Nothing can live in it. They've tried to do samples and studies. Can there be anything done? Can they, th th there's nothing that can be done. Everything, nothing can live or survive in the Dead Sea. But what happens when the river of life spills into the Dead Sea. Let's just revisit that passage. Listen to this. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. It shall be that every living thing that moves wherever the rivers go will live. There will be a great multitude of fish because those waters go there, for they will be healed and everything will live wherever the river goes. As we walk with God and this river is if our relationship with the Holy Spirit is deepening and widening. Guys, everything that we're seeing God do out of our lives and through our lives, it's, it's bringing healing not only to us. We're healed from the bondage of sin as soon as the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of us and we're set free. The Bible says wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So there's no greater level of freedom than the freedom you have the very first moment that you receive Christ. You're fully healed, right? That water is, is just as healing and just as pure. Day one, when it comes out of the temple, when you first receive Christ, as it is all the way through the journey, the difference is, is it just gets deeper, it just gets wider, and it gets more engulfing. Are we lost in the vastness and the deepness of God in all that He is and everything that He has for us? And if we can walk closely with Him, as we walk through the journey of our lives, everything that we need will be available at every time. It's bringing life wherever it goes and whatever it touches. Our cities, guys, our cities, our communities will flourish 
will live with godly purpose if that river is flowing through the community, which means that we as believers are walking with purpose, growing closer and closer in our relationship with God. And everything that he's putting in us is meant to be coming out of us and overflowing in a way that's changing and transforming a world around us. They're healing waters. They're life-giving waters. If you've drank from it, it's meant to be coming up out of you and spilling out into a world around you. It's not just changing you and healing you. It's meant to change and heal the atmosphere of a world around you. The deadest places, guys, as soon as the pure water of God comes in contact with it, the deadest places begin to bring life. We see an abundance of life, not just life, an abundance of life. There's trees, there's medicine, there's food, there's nourishment, and there's fish everywhere. There's not just life, there's an abundance of it. What did Jesus say? He said, I've come that you may have life, but that you may have it more abundantly. Do you see that this river is getting bigger and vast, and there's an abundance of everything, and anything that was dead that it touches begins to live. Amen. Amen. Have you made changes? Have you chose to walk with God or tempted to walk with God? And it seems that perhaps the challenges of life are getting heavier and, and perhaps they're weighing down even more. It could be a, a deterrent or a discouragement. Listen, I would just say as we walk with God and we get further into the desert, it becomes more critical and more aware that there's nothing else that we can cling to except for him. Perhaps we just need to get ourselves back to the bank of the river and start walking and stay close to the very flow of the water itself. If we'll stay close to him, everything that we need will always be available. Do we recognize that we don't need anything else? except for the source of the water, that everything we need is there. Sometimes, guys, in our humanness, we can get an idea that we need something else. We need something more. We need something different. And, and, and everything that God has to offer maybe isn't enough. And so we can venture out and, and start to drift away and get out into the desert away from where the source of water is, and we will find nothing it is dry. It is deserted. There's nothing that will satisfy the soul. If we think that there's anything we can find that will satisfy our soul, our eternal man, except for the very river of life itself, we're mistaken. And we can get pretty far out there into the desert before we recognize that we're in trouble and we need to get back, right? Let's just continue to walk close to the flow of that river each and every day. And as we walk in that healing and abundant life, we will come to new places, new experiences, new adventures, but we will always continue to see life, healing, fruitfulness. The Bible says that these trees are bearing fruit every single month. There are some tropical places where the, the trees and the plants, they actually have fruit in all stages. They have like little buds of fruit and they have fully mature fruit. It's kind of interesting, right? This is what he's talking about. The seasons of life that we go through, there's challenging seasons, there's celebratory seasons, there's all these different things. But one thing that ought to mark every season of our lives, if we're walking with the Holy Spirit, is there's always an abundance of fruit. There's no season that can keep 
God from producing fruitfulness in your life, no matter how challenging or how difficult things may seem. Amen. Stand your feet with me today. So I just I asked you in the beginning and I'm asking myself this too. What are the waters like where we are? What do you want them to be? God, he gives us this this picture. He gives us an invitation to walk with him. But he's a gentleman. The Holy Spirit will not force himself upon you. He will draw you. And it's up to us to recognize that drawing and to let him lead and for us to follow. And if we will stay close to him and make that our primary objective, to deepen our relationship with God, to read the word, to pray, to stay plugged in and engaged in a good, healthy church, to have community with other believers. If we'll walk each and every day and live our lives that way, he's our primary focus. That water will get deeper. It'll get wider. It'll get engulfing. And we will continue to see a more abundant place of fruitfulness, healing, and life that comes out of what God is using us to do in this world. It's what we're created for, guys, to walk with Him, to live with Him, to draw close to Him each and every day, and to see the transformation that's happening on the inside of us, our temple, flowing out, spilling out, and becoming deeper and deeper and broader and broader in the way that our life is impacting the world. Amen? Yes.